Good day, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in to episode one of our podcast, Misery Radio. I'm Pat. I'm Jeff. And I'm Greg. And we are here to, first of all, do a little bit of introduction about exactly what it is that we're about. So I would also like to take this opportunity to wish Jeff a birthday. Not not a happy birthday, though. <laughs> but simply a, a just birthday. Simply a yes. birthday, because as we all know, the title of our podcast, it just would not allow for me to possibly wish him any good feelings on this mo- momentous day. No, um, and given that it is my birthday, I was going to say, uh, it's just the general misery of existence that currently has me down this week. And as my birthday approached, you, you know, you just get more and more existentially desperate. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, you're just like... Overall, it's been a very meaningless and insignificant week. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess this uh, it, this is just an annual reminder of just how horrible things are. Well, basically, yeah. yeah. It's like... Okay, so I, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, when I was younger, I always thought that the age I am now, 27, is really fucking old. You know? Like, you start out as a teenager. Well, like, you don't start out as a teenager, but <laughs> you're, you're thinking when you're in your teens, you're like... You, you just have a totally different idea of what you accomplish, I guess, in a certain time span, or different expectations of what you want to accomplish in a time span. So at the time, I thought that 27 is really fucking old. And now, as I get older, and I am 27, I realize that it's, it's really not that old, and that fucking pains me, because I'm not even halfway done this shit. Uh, Maybe you'll get lucky and join the 27 Club. Maybe. That is kind of what I'm banking on. Um, because, yeah, it's... Realizing that not even half of my life has passed, and I've, ha- I've hated almost every second of it, is really what has made me miserable. It's like the song that never ends, is it? Yeah. Nah. It's like Hotel California. <laughs> wow. All right. Now that we have our own little rants out of the way, um, what... Uh... Yeah, let's just kind of go over why we decided to start this podcast. Um, honestly, narcissism. Narciss- I, I, I feel that my opinions are good enough that people should be hearing them. And uh, to be fair, the government has recently uh, confirmed that since everybody at this table is quote unquote an essential worker. We're all essential. Therefore. Uh, I actually prefer passive bioterrorist to <laughs> essential frontline worker. But yes. Yeah, you just never know when you're going to get infected and therefore when you're going to infect other gonna, people. Exactly. It's not yeah. our fault that the government made us better than everyone. Yeah, it's like... Just, it's, how it is. I mean, we, we just accept the responsibility and now we're going to pass our mediocre wisdom on to you, the, yeah, the yeah. non-essentials. Hey, now, they are essential <laughs> opinions coming from essential people. Is I what guess they so, are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, just a little bit of a brief rundown. Um, let's kind of go over a few of the misconceptions with regards to what it means to be a philosophical pessimist. Lots of people just think that it kind of, uh, I guess it's an extension of, uh, I guess, teenage angst, that all life is pain and all this depressive stuff, which is... (laughs) To to be fair, I I never stopped listening to my chemical romance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Why would you? They're great. Only The the first two albums are great. Yeah, first two albums are great. I don't listen to anything past that anymore. Yeah. No, I still love grunge. Grunge never died for me. It's just Kurt Cobain did. <laughs> um, but no, that, that, that is, it would be very unfair to say that that is the entire picture of what constitutes philosophical pessimism. First of all, philosophical pessimism actually has its earliest roots in Buddhism. Uh, Buddhism has a lot of the same ideas 
uh, in the sense that uh, in Buddhism, they believe that in order to lead a happy life, you want to get rid of your ego and you want to get rid of your desire in life. Yeah, you, you can't have the attachment to anything. Yeah. Including that, the idea that you can't have attachment to anything. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, you once summed up Buddhism, actually, in a way that I really enjoyed. It was uh, <laughs> the, the idea that you want to not care so much that you die forever. <laughs> yeah, that, that is really it. People, people look at Buddhism and they think, oh, Buddhism's cool because of reincarnation. It's like, no. If you get reincarnated, you that fucked means up. Fucked you up. fucked up. You cared too much. That's, that's not the desired state. No. no one wants more of this. No, 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 no. You think Prince Siddhartha was like, yeah, I would love to whip myself under a waterfall for another entire lifetime. Absolutely not. No, not at all. Um, the whole uh, <clears throat> Buddha himself, he started Buddhism, apparently, uh, because he saw suffering in the world and he wanted to alleviate that. And he felt that the best way to accomplish that was to rid yourself of desire. Yeah, which was to whip himself in a waterfall in the mountains. Yeah. Years. Yeah, Prince Siddhartha. He was like this Indian prince. Um, yeah, he saw suffering and he abandoned his wealth and riches and but and self-flagellated in the mountains for a while. Yep. And uh, this, uh, this kind of idea is echoed in one of the earliest philosophical pessimist philosophers, Arthur Schopenhauer. He yeah. has a wonderful quote that goes a little something along the lines of, The moment you give up all hope and expectations for the future is the moment you start living a life free from disappointment. Yes. Yeah, no, I, th I think that we, more than anything, we're just trying to be critical of everything um, with an attempt to improve things. Just because, you know, like one, one of the big things that we just kind of all agree on at this table is, um, you know, if you love everything about yourself and about uh, the world around you, what reason would you ever have to change any of it? You don't. You don't. Because everything is just peachy and hunky-dory and leave it to beavery all the time. Um, why do we think that uh, life sucks in general, though? People. <laughs> <laughs> well, some. We're all pretty great, let's yeah. face it. Granted, like, not, not everyone is of our opinion that a lot of things suck. A lot of people do. I don't know if it's a choice or kind of how you're hardwired to it's not a choice. see the good things in life. Um, however, that can sometimes lead to bigger disappointments. Yeah, no, Jeff and I, we've read, uh, we've read, uh, one, another wonderful, uh, pessimist philosopher by the name of Emile Turan, and in... Our Lord and Savior. Yes, our Lord and Savior. And in one of the prefaces to his book, he does state that there's only certain people that will understand his writing and what he is talking about. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think that it's a choice. Um, yeah. no one would choose to be unhappy. Why, no. why would you? No one would choose to feel the excruciating weight of every second that passes. Well, uh, yeah, but then there's people that would say, well, yeah, no, but you're in charge of your outlook, though. You're not. Aren't you? You don't think you are? You, no. I think no. you are to a certain extent. Being gay is not a choice. No, it's not. But you can. Is that not a part of your you outlook? Can, you can, like, through, I don't want to say positive thought, but you, you can, you know, attempt to, to varying degrees of success, condition how you view things. Like, like, like shock conversion therapy? No, no. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people do make, you know, positive changes in their life and or positive is subjective, but they do make changes to how they view things and stuff over the course of their lives because they want to. It's, it's an active thing. Only kind of. Like, there, there's only certain things you can change, right? I'm saying, I said to varying degrees of success, yeah. Yeah. Some people may be more successful than others. But, but there, there are certain fundamental things you can't change, like being mm. gay. For sure, yeah. Right? Uh, so Unless you're Christian and think that you can. But. Shock conversion therapy. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, I've heard you can pray the gay away. Or if you go to or, Russia, yeah. there's no gays in Russia, say, so it, you, it just leaves you. If you go to Russia, you're instantly cured. Do you, you get the gay them. back when you leave Russia? I think so. Yeah. They hand it to you back at the border. <laughs> <laughs> you like sign it away and yeah, yeah. they give it back yeah. to you yeah. with your possessions. N- not just Russia. Uh, according to the president of Iran, there's no gay people yeah, in Iran yeah. either. Um, but uh, I've made this argument before, and I don't think you have a choice in anything. Um, there is neuroscientific evidence to support the fact that your subconscious brain makes decisions before your frontal lobes are aware of them. And that is to say that the experience of actively making a decision is in fact the experience of rationalizing a decision that was already made. That brings to light a lot of questions regarding free will. Yes. That. That is to say it would imply that it does not exist. Yeah. That's a... That's a hard thing to come to grips with. Well, I mean, do we think animals are free will? Or do we think that they are purely creatures of instinct? I mean, we, we've obviously shown that some animals have higher orders of intelligence. Crows, dolphins, whatnot. But, yeah. Mm, mm, fair enough. Also, uh, a big thing that I would also like to, uh, I guess, assert is that none of us are claiming to be experts in absolutely anything. So, do not take our word as bond or fact. Uh, no, I, I know very little about the world, but I will speak with conviction such that you think that I think that I do. Yeah, no, I, I think that if there's one talent that I think everyone at this table possesses, it's a, it's an ability to analytically and critically think about everything, specifically because of our negative disposition towards everything. See, I don't think that's a choice either. No? No, absolutely not. I don't want to be critical about everything. Are you kidding me? I can't enjoy a single fucking thing. Oh, no. Like, it's very, very hard for me to enjoy anything. Well, no, I, I just said that we're talented at it. That's all. No, Despite the fact sure, that we're not experts I, at it. I think that the, uh, the reason you gave as to why uh, I don't think is true. I think I'm negative because I am so critical. I don't think I'm critical because I'm negative. I think that might be a chicken or an egg thing that we could keep on going in circles around. I think that... The uh, the egg must have come first. <laughs> it had to. Like evolutionarily speaking, yeah, yeah. at some point, something that was not a chicken laid an egg that hatched into something that was a chicken. And it was probably like a thousand year process or so. To, yeah, exactly. Yeah, to, but but yeah, uh, at some point there would have been a for what we a chicken call zero. a chicken. Yeah, or, that's, that's it, right. it had to come out of an egg. Yeah. And it hatched, and that was the first chicken. Yeah, at some point, what it would we have define been an, as a chicken? An, an egg zero, rather, like. What? Yeah, yeah. So it, it was the egg. Egg zero. And an egg is in fact shaped like a zero. Exactly. <laughs> Coincidence. See, it's, even, the it's even symbolically coherent. Like, it's science. Just, yeah. <laughs> uh, Tarot readings can give you a better outcome than that, okay? Um, what else do we want to cover today? I guess uh, a big thing that we want to say as well is we want to... I guess critically analyze some of the downsides that optimism might have. Wait, oh, hold on, hold on. We didn't adequately cover why existence sucks. No. Right? no. We, we just kind of said people and then we went on a tangent. Yeah, then we went on a tangent. Okay, why does life suck? I guess... First you are going to die and nothing you do matters. True. That's hard. That's hard to swallow. Right? It is it's, hard to it's, swallow. It's hard to go on in the face of that. And I think that we are the only... No, I'm pretty sure that we are the only animals that are self-aware of that, too. I'm not too. sure I care about that. I'm just trying to enjoy things, not moment by moment, but, like, I don't I don't give a fuck if my life matters. To the, me, it matters. The, the hedonistic approach. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but, but nothing matters. That's no, the thing. Nothing matters, but... And that's, that's hard to reconcile, because how do, you, how do you find the motivation to do anything if it, nothing matters? 
you have to assign meeting. You do, yeah. but and it's but and then that's, you you but, have the you have the burden's ass problem, right? Yeah. Where it's if everything is equally valuable, you're just gonna do nothing. Well, you can wait to your values. You can, but it's all arbitrary. Exactly. You can arguably, I guess, go through the mental process of assigning meaning to literally everything. That's what everyone does, though, without thinking about it. Like, yes, I feel that that's how we interact with everything, and that's what gives us our motivation. It is, but what if you are very consciously aware that nothing has value? So you don't have the, the value associations. I don't know. You live a shitty life. Yes, that, <laughs> that is what I'm trying to say. It's that it's, it's the burden of existence. It's, yeah. As well, it's like, uh, I enjoy very little of what's going on. Just in general, right? Uh, the, the moment to moment. Actually, that's, I don't not enjoy the moment to moment, but there is this like overarching, or overarching sense of like, Fuck, this sucks. Mm. Right? You love things passionately, though. I, I very do. Very few things. Very few things. But, but what you do enjoy, you are you really passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Whereas I like a lot of things a little bit. Uh, yeah, for sure. There's only so much love to go around. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of stuff does suck, and being critical plays into that. Where you, yeah. you, look, like, um, you look at a lot of things, and you're like, how the fuck could anyone like that? But anyway, uh, I, I have goals... I have goals, yeah. but it's because you have to, you know, if you either have to do something or kill yourself, I think. Pretty like, much, waste yeah. Sitting around is just, it's boring for everyone involved. Yeah. Well, apparently it's the worst thing ever, according to people on Facebook. Exactly. Yeah. Sitting just, at home for two weeks is, yeah. Idle hands really are the devil's Biggest atrocity thing. that people on Facebook have ever encountered. Yeah. Like, it's like, man, all they have to do is stay at home and not go outside. Yeah. It's... It's rough. I think that not having a choice in existence really sucks. Um, <laughs> if someone were to have given... You don't ask to be born. You, yeah. don't, you don't ask to be born. No. And you don't ask to be born into the circumstances under which you were born into, right? Like, it would be miserable to have been born in a third world country. And it's miserable being born into a first world country. So I cannot fathom the agony and true, true torment and suffering that that is. Right? Our lives are very cushy compared to, you know, anyone in the third world country, essentially. Yes, absolutely. Anyone, but. The, these people undergo so much more agony than I do, and I whine endlessly, right? So, like, I cannot imagine. Yeah. Granted, first world problems, quote-unquote, are a thing. Uh, yeah. When, I, when, when you're not fighting for survival every day, you get picky about stuff, and minor shit bugs you and annoys you. Everything is kind of relative, right? Yeah. So everyone has, like, a certain baseline. Frame of reference, frame if you of will. Reference. Yeah. If we were walking 14 kilometers each way a day just to get enough water for the day, uh, we wouldn't be worried about, you know, not not that I do, but matching my outfit or, like, oh, I gotta, you know, do this do this presentation for work tomorrow or whatever. No, you wouldn't care. You just no, have you to wouldn't live care at all. Yeah. You're trying to live. Yeah. That's it. Uh, I hate to really talk up third world life, but it's uh, it's Zen in a way, right? Like you you live moment to moment, moment rather. You also don't know anything else, right? Uh, you might, you might, but you, if you've never experienced it, you know, if you've never seen TV, yeah, or, like, yeah, sat yeah. on a couch, you just don't don't understand it. True, yeah, different ways of life. Uh, but yeah, uh, not asking to experience this kind of sucks because life is objectively bad. Objectively bad? Yes. I would say that it is irrefutable that one suffers more than one does not suffer. You think? I think a lot of people would say that's your... That, yeah, that's... Okay, I'm... I'm maybe, gonna, I mean, it's not a, maybe it's not a choice, but it's how, how you view it. I would say that there is more pain than anything else. 
I would. I would. I would also say that how could you look around and say that the good outweighs the bad? Well, I don't think it does. I don't think anyone on this table thinks no, it does. No, that's what we're, I mean. we're just playing devil's advocate, right? But can you but, think of a counter argument that holds up? And I, I would like to discuss this. Well, you know, there is a lot of uh, religious people out there yeah. who, who don't need much more else other than, uh, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. But we both know that's stupid. We... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, all three of us know it's stupid, right? Well, like, yeah. we, we think it's stupid, but like, yeah, no, I don't know. See, we're, we're talking about objectivity, and so I, that's a subjective answer. That is a subjective answer. Right. So what objective way would you prove that there is more bad in the world than there is good? Um, the, the most simple way would just be utilitarian measures. Right? Like, there, there is objectively more pain than there is not pain. I think that I would agree with you. I think that, uh, that, a, great, that a greater proportion of the world does probably live bef- below the poverty line. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the, but people can be happy below the poverty line. It, yeah, it, but it they, depends on their own their world. lives are like the objectively not great, right? Like if you're hungry every day, if you're thirsty every day, if mm-hmm. you have to think about when your next meal is because you don't know, that's pretty fucking shitty. I don't think anyone it, would rate those is, things but, as but positives. It's super shitty from our perspective. Like if if they don't know any better, granted they like they agree it sucks, but if that's just their way of life, they could be super positive people and be be happy. Just because it. you're a positive person does not mean you do not experience pain. No, of course, right? Uh, and it so kind it can absolutely not. Yeah, you can I, I can go punch a positive person in the face and it's gonna hurt. Well, of course, that's physical pain though. Yeah, and the hunger yeah. is a physical pain. Thirst is it a physical can pain. Be, yeah. Right? Exhaustion is a physical pain. Physical pain is still pain. In yeah, fact, it's, a lot, it is, it's a lot more real than existential dread. I was going to say, we're mostly talking about existential pain. For sure, but uh, uh, when I say pain in this general sense, I mean f- physical pain too. Because a lot of the pain that people in third world countries are in is physical. Well, if you want to go physical pain, then yes, it far outweighs the good. Because I mean, yeah, I, but, but I'm, I'm 32 is... and like a knee hurts sometimes, my back hurts sometimes. Pain is it's an unpleasant experience, right? Yeah, of course so why would you not include every unpleasant experience? And in that way, I think unpleasant experiences outweigh pleasant experiences. I think that even neutral experiences kind of outweigh pleasant experiences. Yeah, but then I don't even think that we should count neutral experiences towards anything. I mean, if you look at the class of all experiences, I mean, I guess they wouldn't, it wouldn't count towards either, but you would see that pleasant experiences are probably the, the least represented class of experiences. Yeah. That one can have. But then... I that think, one does have. Okay, well, I think that some people, like my own mother, I might add, I think would counter to your point and say that the amount of bad in the world and the fact that it outweighs the good makes you appreciate the good that much more. <laughs> Again, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't know. I, I that, don't know. That's still like a subjective comeback. That's still That's like saying, well, you just don't appreciate the good enough. How do I appreciate the good more? And then how can anyone say that no one appreciates the good enough? Because that, that argument goes forever, right? Like, there could be exactly one good thing ever. And you could be like, well, if you just appreciated that more, it would outweigh all of the bad, yeah. right? Like, you could be getting waterboarded every goddamn minute. And if someone's like, well, you just have to appreciate the times you're not getting waterboarded. And then it's not so bad, right? Yeah, this is true. And I guess No, it, that, that's not how it works. I, I guess the inverse could also be said in that the sense that if you do experience the positive to a greater degree, it just makes the lows feel that much worse. That too, exactly. Yeah. In fact, as a person of extremes myself, that is <laughs> largely what I experience. Maybe I'm bipolar, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yet to be determined. Yeah. I, mean, no, I would actually be curious to like 
talk to a, a, a quote-unquote all-the-time positive person and, like, how do they view things? When, when something bad happens, d- does it hurt them more? Not physical pain, but, I mean, like, does is it a bigger blow? Or are they just like, well, this is a silver lining of that, and they just keep on going up their merry way? I would assume, I guess, there are some people like that, and then there's others who it does hurt them harder depending on what it was. Well, you can still be hurt and be aware of silver linings. Like, I often look, try to look for silver linings when I can. No, of course, Because but... it does lessen the blow. But it doesn't ever make anything better. You know what I mean? I, I think there are a lot of people, though, who can make it better for themselves in, in their own mind and just go, well, like, okay, yeah, that happened, and, oh, man, that was terrible. But this silver lining makes me feel better. This bronze lining makes me feel better. Uh, and it does... No one should be happy but bronze lining. No. Silver lining, too. That's I want a gold lining. You want first place, okay? No, why not just go full platinum? Yeah, like, that's come it. Come on, man. I feel platinum lining would be it, the thing never happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think so. I, same with gold lining. Silver lining is that second place. Yeah, didn't uh, experience loss. Yeah, yeah did <laughs> The bad thing never happened. Uh, so if there's any, like, huge optimists, maybe you could be a guest on this show. But yeah, so... Could, but sorry, sorry, I think that I think that you should reach out to that Tinder girl again. That doesn't think that failure is a thing. Oh yeah, uh, brief side <laughs> story. So, well, I was talking with this girl on Tinder. All my stories apparently are going to be about Tinder, uh, <laughs> which is hugely misrepresented because my Tinder career is atrocious. Uh, but anyway, I, I was chatting with this girl. I was going up for like a week or so, and this was I don't know, maybe a year ago, eight months ago. I can't remember, um, and I, I can't remember how it came up. But uh, she said failure is not real. I said, well, like, of course it's real. Thing, things can fail. There's, there's a dictionary definition of it. And, you know, when you, you set out to do something and that's not met, you failed. She, and she just argued it was a matter of perspective. And so I was like, okay, sure, per person basis, like, you can say, if you don't want to view something as failure, uh, yeah, you know, the, the silver lining is you didn't fail. This happened instead. You learned an experience, whatever. And so I started saying, well, the concept of failure is real. And she didn't agree with that either. She figured that was a matter of perspective. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how to deal with that sort of unintelligence. Yeah, no, I think... Yeah, like, is that... I mean, I guess it is a case of optimism, but it's also just a case of ignorance. Well, yeah, right? but like, I, I'm saying, clear, okay, so do it's you... It's a clear misunderstanding Do, do you agree words. that the concept of failure exists? And she says no. So she didn't even believe that failure as a concept exists... Obviously, it exists. A lot of people think it, and we all know it is very true. So There's like, a dictionary definition. Um, therefore, it exists. If she's, like, you know, taking a plane somewhere, and the pilot comes over the intercoms, and he's like, oh, we've got engine failure, what what does she say? Is she, like, uh, ex- pressing the button? Like, excuse me, that's not even real. Like, this is a fucking hoax. Uh, <laughs> it didn't fail. We're taking an unexpected plummet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Silver linings. Yeah, so, you know, it's a new adventure. <laughs> it's not a failure. It's uh it's an alternate path to this flight. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a detour. It's a detour, yeah. right? And who's to say it's going to be bad? Absolutely, yeah. It's yeah. Jesus. Yeah, no. Uh, what I if think... I only lose one leg in the plane crash? Right? Wouldn't that be magical? Yeah, no, I think that kind of echoes this quote that's at least attributed to Thomas Edison whether or not he actually said it or not is a matter of dispute. But yeah, no, I guess when he was trying to develop the first incandescent light bulb, even though we all know that uh, Nikola Tesla was, in fact, the one who invented yeah, the dude, light bulb. Edison's <laughs> a hack. Yeah, no, but uh, the quote that is often attributed to Edison is that, uh, you know, when he was asked, you know, on the, on the thousandth try, he finally managed to uh, develop the first incandescent light bulb. Uh, what about the other 999 times? And Thomas Edison, I didn't fail the other 999 times. I found 999 ways how not to make a light bulb. <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, 
Yes. Um, <laughs> when inventing something, I think that is, you know, uh, a pretty good pretty good outlook on it. Yeah. Well, but that is a true matter of perspective, right? It's like, if the goal is to not make light bulbs, then he succeeded, he succeeded 999 times. times. But in yeah. that case, he also failed once. He failed, yeah. But if the goal is to make a light bulb, he failed 999 times and yeah. succeeded once. And so you can't have both of those things be true. You couldn't have succeeded in every trial. Right? Yeah. So it, it's just a motivational... Like, you know, it's a fun thing that we can say and make ourselves feel better about being yeah. incredible, miserable failures. Yeah, we, we can only sometimes attribute it that. Can you imagine just, like, I don't know, a hypothetical person that has failed in every single matter of, of their life and just on their deathbed, they're like, actually, I didn't fail at life. I just figured out how <laughs> not to live one. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. How, right? how consoling would that be? <laughs> I actually perfected not living a life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful, actually. I want that to go in my tombstone. Well, if you do die this year at 27, yeah, we're... I'll, I'll put it on there. Please do, thank actually, you. Actually, you're not being buried. I'm just going to cremate you. It's all so much fun. cooler. Yeah. I, I, would still like, urn. I would still like a tombstone, regardless of the fact that I'm not being buried. All right, I'll keep it in my um, room. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just have a Jeff Shine. I'll get some sort of Zerg. Toy I'm just like I'm kind of a showy person, so it being on display makes sense. Yeah, true. Yeah, I'll put Tim's beside it. Yeah, dude. Uh, Tim's have mutalisks on it. Yeah, I was saying I'll get you yeah know, Starcraft toys, yeah. Zerg toys, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. If the I'll, I'll wrap it in some sort of Lululemon garment. Fuck yeah. <laughs> And and we'll, we can only offer him uh, vegan gifts. Yeah. If we pray yeah. to him. Vegan products only. Please. Vegan products yeah. only. Um, no flowers, because then he had to hurt a plant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing to cast a shadow, please. <laughs> He's a level 7 vegan. Yeah. <laughs> level 7 um, So, despite all of our, uh, I guess, what we have now established as being... Uh, the objective pain of existence, yes. The objective pain of existence. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we keep going anyway? Um, I have things I want. Because you might as... Okay, so I live on for the brief moments of happiness amidst the misery because you might as well. So on the off chance that one of them lasts, you kind of have to just play... The, like, uh, it's, you know, it, poker, competitive gaming. You played your outs, right? And so <laughs> if this is my out, well, uh, however slim the probability, I kind of have to play to it. Fair yeah, enough. I agree. There are still things I enjoy. I'm not um, a scrub, so I can't just... F10A, yeah. I can't just quit. Whether or not I'm not enjoying the times between the parts I enjoy, like, it doesn't really matter. There are things I want to achieve. Will I achieve them? Who the fuck knows? Uh, I'm going to try to achieve them in the meantime and try and enjoy things along the way um, as much as I don't. But Yeah, I, I guess uh, that kind of plays into our, uh, I guess, how everybody at this table is just a lifelong gamer. Uh, nobody likes a rage quitter. Exactly, right? Yeah. No one likes a rage quitter, like... True. Pussies, dude. Especially because this is kind of a team game. Uh, that's also another thing I hate about life. Dude, I hate team games. They're <laughs> fucking cancer. You can solo it, it's just much harder. It's, it's just much yeah. harder. But, like, God, there's always a, like a, there's always someone throwing intentionally. There's always a troll. <laughs> like, there's always someone who wants to be a carry, but in fact, you have to carry them. The supports are always bad. And, in fact, no one wants to play support. It just, it sucks, dude. That's why it's important to have a solid clan or squad that you play with on a regular basis. It is, yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah. You have, and then the good clans are hard to get into, though. Like, there's a lot of competition. Mm kind of ruled by the elite and they just like pick who they want and they raise them and then when you play with better players you become better so they kind of like gatekeep in that way too mm. it all sucks yeah uh greg what about you why, why do you keep going 
I have things I want. I have goals that I'd like to achieve. Again, I, whether or not I achieve them, yeah, who knows? Right. Uh, I, I do enjoy small things a lot along the way. Maybe not a lot, but th- there's probably at least something every day that I can say I enjoy. Well, whether on. or not that's just my dog. Uh, most days it's my dog. But <laughs> that, is, that is fair. Uh, just uh, with relevance to team games, I guess, considering the fact that I'm in school. Uh, group projects are, are, are the same in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, it's and, a team game. Um, yeah, it, it is a team game, yeah. and uh, there is in fact always though at least at least the one person that sucks. Throwers, and, dude. Yeah, yeah. I, I gotta say, uh, when I went through for Civil Eng, we the four there was four of us, and since semester one, we would change blocks in semesters to keep the four of us together. And we did every team project together. We were so fucking efficient. We still have a group chat. We still talk. Yeah, um, you got a plan together. Yeah, we, we yeah, got a plan. Yeah. Our, our capstone project. Um, so capstone, like you end up writing like a sixty-page report. It has to be accompanied by something real. And there, you know, we we built this dome. Actually, partnered with NASA and the United Nations to build domes for disaster relief housing or testing for it. Um, other teams spent like literal weeks writing their report. The four of us banged it out in eight hours. So thirty-two man hours to to write this. 50 page report we got an a plus on it and that is the difference between matchmaking and yes true <laughs> and pre-made teams it, it's insane yeah i guess a uh, guilty confession from me uh it definitely feeds into my narcissism because no matter how little work that group member did that awful group member at least at the end when it's all done i can look at them and i can say to myself i'm still better than you <laughs> Just in case they ever listen to this, uh, shout out Rami, Andrew, and Danny. Hashtag Dome Passion. <laughs> we, we built the domes. We, we made yeah. jokes about Dome Passion. That we had to choose a team name, and it was hashtag Dome Passion. Dome Passion. It was on the cover of a report. The nice. structural integrity. Professional report. <laughs> the structural integrity of your clan just sounds absolutely amazing, and I'd like to say that. Oh, it was dope. Yeah, yeah. We still talk. We were talking this morning, actually. Also, that, that's your unquote. Um, if you had decided to end it, it's already too late. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And so, like, that, because it's already too late, I might as well keep going. Yeah. Like, uh, if it's not a stillbirth, your zero, any percent speed run is bad. <laughs> so, you know, I, like, I can't get that record, so you might as well do something else. Yeah. Try, try to scrounge up the pieces, work with what you got. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, where do we feel that this struggle comes from, apart from the bases that we've already covered? Um, as you were saying earlier, just with regards to third world countries and first world countries, and obviously some people have it worse and some people have it better, I think that a lot of the existential stuff definitely does come from the fact that we have it so much better. We have time to think about stuff like, oh boy, my life is meaningless because we don't have to go and grab food. Every single day. Well, we do. It's just going to Safeway or Superstore. It's not, you know... Hunting it down. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, doesn't, it doesn't take effort. It doesn't take thought, no. really, right? It just takes a little bit of time. Um, Need money, but... Yeah. Which also takes more time. Yeah. 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 No. Um, kind of so, like Jeff said, I don't think it's a choice for any of the three of us here to look at things. I don't know if it's necessarily pessimistic all the time, but a quote-unquote oh, yeah. realistic view of things. I prefer to see things... Or that I prefer to think that I see things realistically. Something's positive, I'll see it as positive. I'm not always looking for negatives and things. Um, a lot of things just turn out to be negative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, that's like one of my good friends. You know him too. I'm just not going to say his name on the podcast because I don't know who's okay with it and who's not. 
But uh, yeah, no, he he doesn't yeah, cons- name everyone. Yeah, no, he doesn't consider himself a pessimist per se. He just uh, doesn't consider himself an optimist unless there's a damn good reason for it. Is that not pessimism? I some people are afraid of the word. Yeah, actually, I was talking to a, someone I know, and uh, this person was, despite spouting things and like agreeing with me and saying things that were very pessimistic, this person did not want to label themselves as a pessimist because. The word was just, I guess, unappealing. What did they want to label themselves as? Um, optimist, but I, I proved that that was not true. <laughs> and uh, th- this person did agree, but then still was reluctant to take the pessimist label. Well, I guess... I, and I, I suppose it is kind of... It's meaningless just to label how one thinks if one does not want to go talk about your ideals with someone else, right? Because it's just like a genre label. It's to give someone a general idea. But not every pessimist is going to be the same. Just like reading philosophers, like not everyone from a school of thought is going to say the exact same thing. Yeah, no. More it's more different than, takes on a general idea. Yeah, more than that, it's also a spectrum more so. Yeah, than, yeah, uh, for defined, sure. Defined, I guess, category. And so I think for the average person that doesn't have an academic philosophic background, I think the idea of labeling their own ideals so definitively definitively yeah yeah yeah. i think is unappealing fair enough well yeah no now we got the negativity out of the way i guess (laughs) i guess uh, assuming that you know all three of our listeners have even gotten this far um i guess the question on everyone's mind is what could it possibly take to make people like us happy um more specifically what would our ideal world or society look like? All right, my ideal world, right? Okay, so it starts as early as tomorrow. <laughs> the sun rises the same as every other day. And the world is exactly the same except I died in my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> nice, ideal world. <laughs> but then you wouldn't be around to experience it. 27 Club. <laughs> what up? Literally day after. Yeah, turns yeah. 27, dies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's my answer. Yeah, I've been waiting all week to say that. But, that, but that, can that be your ideal world? Because yes. but, but my ideal world is this world without me. But 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 you're not around to experience it though. Yeah, that's the ideal world is non-existence. <sighs> you know what? I'm gonna say my ideal world doesn't involve Jeff either. Yeah, nice. Thank you. <laughs> he is my blood brother, but no. Well, I'm afraid to say that your ideal world and mine are in direct. Uh, uh, conflict because oh, you want I, me around like dude <laughs> at least don't be selfish and take me with you oh, okay, fine. On, we man. all blink out of existence yeah our ideal world pat and jeff died in their sleeps <laughs> yeah all right all right all right okay. retconning it so, so we're searching for the infinity gauntlet starting right now hmm. but a non like meme answer for what my ideal world looks like i can't even fathom it because existence is not preferable to non-existence <sighs> Like, well, this is a very cliche answer, and it only, like, this isn't going to be the world, um, my ideal world. This is, I guess, yeah, my ideal world. Uh, I wake up next Friday without even having bought a ticket. I won some sort of Powerball lottery. No, and win, no. like, $60 million. It doesn't mean, like, personal No, no, idea I know. Because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why I prefaced it with, like, it's not my ideal world, this is my no ideal world. hungry, and everyone gets along. We all hold hands. No. Cool. Non-existence, I think, is the only preferable option. Well, yeah, no, I, I think that we need to kind of justify that. So I guess if we accept... Do we not have to give, like, real answers to this question? I think that is kind of a real answer. It's a rap and a meme. Yeah, no, if we accept the premise that uh, the bad in life does, in fact, outweigh the good, then that leads to the conclusion that life is, in fact, a net loss. Yes. So, Ken, so you, you are saying, basically, that a, an existence of nil 
or absolute zero is better than negative existence. Yeah. <sighs> Experiencing... Dude, think about integers. Negative one is lower than zero. Yeah. Experiencing nothing at all as opposed to something. Though, that... I don't know. Well, if it's your ideal world, you could just slate that in this ideal world, all your experiences are positive. So, positive experiences don't exist without negative experiences. Right? Because you only know something yeah. in relation to its juxtaposition. Well, yes, but you know negative things now. So if everything became positive, you would still have reference. Uh, but that would fade. Uh, you get used to anything, right? So yeah. I think yeah. that would fade. Um, yeah, it so take a while. you... Probably not that long. You don't either, think honestly. so? I think it no. would take the rest of your lifetime to forget bad things. I don't think so. Uh, I mean, if only because we're like primally hardwired to ignore... Or, I mean, like... Be afraid of certain things. Yeah. Appear, uh, but that being said, Look, if, man, spiders will always be scary. They they wouldn't be anymore. Wouldn't if there was no negative experiences, you wouldn't feel fear. Well, who's to well, say fear well, is necessarily a negative experience? Who's to say pain is necessarily a negative there experience? You go. Right. So, so life would but, just be the same. But It'd be how you look at it. Exactly. <laughs> but because using that argument, you could make everything. Ah, uh, no, I think I'm contradicting myself. Um, well, now you got to uncontradict yourself, because yeah, otherwise we're yeah. just going to be inconsistent. We have absolutely no credibility whatsoever. Absolutely every system is inconsistent. <laughs> Fucking Godel, all right? Get no, no, I think minutes. I have a, le a legitimate answer to my ideal world. Uh, it'd be pretty socialist, I'm not going to lie. It, you know, Switzerland has, I think, it pretty well figured out. A, a lot of Scandinavian countries, but, I mean, like, 30-hour work weeks or less. They work four-hour, yeah, 24-hour work weeks, I believe. Mm. Four days a week, six hours a day. Um, universal school, absolute universal healthcare, basic income. I believe we looked up with Switzerland. Uh, they're they're toying with it. They perform okay. experiments. It's Either not way, like basic income doesn't have to be a part of this. But I mean, full universal healthcare. Um, really, I just want more time and money to do what I want. Uh, I work to live. I don't live to work. Um, and I feel sorry for people who are that way, but yeah. I mean, even if I do nothing in my sort nothing, quote unquote, in my spare time, I'm still, that's what I want to do at that point in time. And I'm enjoying it. If I want to just read a book for, you know, a day, I enjoyed it. I don't think it's a waste. So if I could work less, um, and have more free time with, with, you know, all basic needs covered and wants covered, not extravagant wants, but wants covered, um, you know, and know that. All my friends and family are also fairly well taken care of, and you know, if they get sick, it's not going to cost us an arm and a leg. Granted, we're in Canada; healthcare is pretty good, but prescriptions aren't free. Dental's not free. Uh, you know, prescriptions are very heavily they're affordable. They're affordable. affordable. Dude, no. Yeah, no. it's certainly not as bad as other places. It's not as bad as other places, but two of my prescriptions, three months worth for two of them, is four hundred dollars. Yeah, and they're and not covered. You could be paying upwards of thousands for medications. Of course, states. but for it's still, the month, right? it's still not great. It it's not perfect, but no, but but yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so yeah, it, yeah, it could be better, sure. right? This is ideal. It, it world. could indeed be yeah. better. Um, Jeff and I's dad got sick in 2012. Anyway, uh, I was told by like the doctor one time I went to pick up his meds that chemo meds are like 20k a month. Were they not covered by healthcare? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, yeah, that could fuck you real quick. Yeah, getting cancer is not financially sustainable. No, it's really not. I mean, here it kind of is, but in the states, absolutely not. You're straight dead. But yeah, um, what you say about working, mm -hmm. um, that's just kind of a fundamental of reality, and yeah, I don't like that. I, and, I, and part of I not, don't like it either. Yeah, and, and so, uh, sorry, this just ties back into reasons mm -hmm. I detest existence. <laughs> so, I was born into a system that I don't enjoy. 
And now I'm forced to play a game that I don't like, right? Yeah. And it, it it sucks. I, I agree. I'm not a big fan of it either. Yeah, uh, but uh, just giving another reason why yeah, existence, yeah. I feel, I, is bad. I see working as a means to an end. Hopefully means to an end. One would but, hope. And also, unfortunately, necessary. Uh, yeah, I, I really don't enjoy working. I don't think I've... There have been parts of jobs that I've enjoyed, but as a whole, I don't enjoy working. I work be, so that I can get money. Yeah, uh, no... To facilitate my life. Not to mention that the modern-day justification for working, I'm not sure exactly, uh, is justified, certainly in the grand scheme of things. We are more productive in the modern day than they ever were in the 1950s. Oh, absolutely. Everybody's getting more work done. And yet, we're still working the same hours. There was a famous economist whose name escapes me now who thought that by this time in human history, our biggest uh, concern would be what we would be doing with our leisure time. Just because he projected that the advancement of technology would yeah. be where it is today. And well, that, he was fairly accurate with it. That's why my well, ideal world follows the, like, yeah. the, the four times six workday. There, there have been studies and people are just as productive working four days a week, six hours a day than they are working five, eight. Um, yeah, you just know you have to get your work done in that time, and you're more motivated to do so because yeah, you're more focused. You know, yeah, you're only there for six hours. Um, you know, you probably have one half an hour break, three hours in, but people can maintain focus throughout that. And it, the workload. You were know, talking to the ADD generation. True. Can I maintain focus through that? Yeah. Get some Addy. Uh, yeah, straight <laughs> up. You maintain focus through anything. So yeah. I think the solution to my contradiction is just that you don't need to take it further. It's just that you can't mm-hmm. have pleasure without pain. So a world free of yeah, pleasure, fair. it's not even logically consistent. Mm. A world free of pleasure. Uh, or, uh, sorry, a, a world free, free of pain. pain. Yeah. Um, and yeah. pure pleasure. Everything would just be neutral. No, I think that I would no, agree. For like a week, everything would be pure pleasure. Or yeah. yeah. <laughs> or or what would happen is that the lower pleasures would become what is pain. Yeah, absolutely. And then you would you would still like not like those. Things. It, it would just adjust. Right? Yeah, yeah. There, you, there would be a a, a you, period in between where everything actually was positive because suddenly all the negatives went away. But it may not be very long, and then what you know, yeah, yeah. Like you said the minor positives would just become the negatives. You would just like just shift shifts. the problem a yeah. bit, or you have like this brave new world sort of thing. In which case, I think most people would agree that that is not great. <laughs> that explain. Go on. Have you ever read Brave New World? I have not. Unfortunately, I am unfortunately saying I have not. So it's along with the duo of, or it's often referenced in tandem with like 1984 as a, a counterpoint, a, a similar uh, totalitarianism sort of thing, but expressed differently. So in 1984, you're kind of expressed. Or they control people through thought control and strict regulations. In a brave new world, they control people through hedonism. So, like, everyone takes these drugs that, I mean, I guess it would be like MDMA or something, right? You just, like, you're always happy. Mm. Yeah, so they get controlled through that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, it just regulates emotion. But then, oh, jeez. Um, yeah, no, my ideal world, I guess I would agree with you in that it would be more socialist. Although I think that it is important just because... Lots of people conflate this idea with socialism, even though it's not necessarily socialist. I think I'm more of a redistribution of wealth type of person. By definition, socialism is, uh, you know, when the people control the means of production as opposed to private individuals. I don't think we need to necessarily go that far. I do think that a more comprehensive and more fair taxation system would definitely be a great start, which, you know, definitely plays into socialism Mm -hmm. a lot. It just, the two things tend to coincide. But, uh... Yeah, like we are currently seeing just uh, just how much better the idea of redistribution of wealth, certainly in this economic time, yeah. is, um, you know, 
everyone's wondering what the world is going to look like on the other end of this COVID-19 thing. Lots of small businesses are just going to be gone. Lots of corporations are already struggling and are going to be struggling afterwards. They're asking for government bailouts. Meanwhile, uh, for those of you that don't know, Norway, who has for the longest time been a socialist country, um, they're probably going to be laughing at, well, figuratively, figuratively laughing at the end of all this. They have had a trillion dollar slush fund and have been completely debt free for decades as a direct result of the fact that when they discovered oil in Norway, they uh, had a nationalized company and they have like, you know, like other competition and other, you know, oil companies and they're drilling for it. But they have a nationalized company and all the profits from that went directly in, back into the system and into this slush fund. So, yeah, like their, their economy is doing just fine. Do you think that certain forms of government only work for certain populations and regional area like um, spaces? I do so, think so to an extent. Like one article that I read with regards to you know why a more a greater distribution of wealth works better in these Scandinavian countries as opposed to somewhere like here is because of uh, the lack of multiculturalism. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say like yeah. they're, they're a very small place and they have a lot of cultural cohesion. Where if you compare it to some place like Canada, we're so gigantic that we have very independent and distinct cultures across the provinces. And it's very noticeable even going from city to city. It's like, you're at minimum, what, like a 10-hour drive away from the next major city in Canada? Mm. 12, Vancouver? Yeah. That's probably the closest major city? Yeah. yeah. Which naturally leads to just more subcultures. I mean, technically, and the... we're a major city, so is Edmonton, but... No, God, no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So I said technically. <laughs> Edmonton is not a major city. Get over yourselves, Edmonton. Yeah, but no, it, it definitely does. I think that uh, the, the fact that we're so sparsely populated and that there's more cities naturally leads to, you know, people just thinking differently from city to city. Definitely yeah. people thinking differently from province to province. Just look at BC and Alberta. Absolutely. And we're so basically complete opposites. It's really hard to foster the same sense of ideological cohesion. Yeah. Right? And so it's harder to have a, a government like that. It is. And have it work. Yeah, everyone sort of has to be in agreement, like, this is how we do things. But because there's so many differing opinions, yes, stuff. Well, it would be hard to instate now, where, where it just away from the beginning, it would have been fine. I don't think so. I, think so. I, I think it's actually harder to enforce something like that. I think, um, I, I, I think the way things have developed is because that was probably the easiest way that they were gone. So I think that totalitarian dictatorships in... Russia and whatnot is probably the easiest way to manage that number of people efficiently. Russia's even more sparsely populated than Canada is, though. Yes, and I think the uh, the more efficient way to manage that is to rule with an iron fist. Yeah. I was say it's definitely the more vicious way to manage that. It is, but I I think it's the more effective way. I think that because you're going to have such differing opinions, that uh, it's really harder to foster the cohesion that you need. I think it's better to force the cohesion that you need. I guess that's uh, that just kind of goes back to I can't remember if it was Plato or Socrates the idea of the philosopher king. Socrates, I think. So uh, actually, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. we don't. But yeah, but rather, I, I when I say better, I mean that's how it's going to work more efficiently. I don't necessarily mean that's better for everyone involved. <laughs> I just mean if you're going to enact a system of government to get everyone to do get on the same page, I think that's the best way to do it for that sort of population and area distribution. Whereas I think something like socialism works, it, it in fact only works in places like Norway where they have a very homogenous culture and in a small area. Fair. Yeah. 
So it's just a matter of getting everyone on the same page on how do we get there. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, right now with communication systems in the modern age, uh, perhaps one doesn't need to rule with such an iron fist. Uh, and Putin doesn't rule with the same iron fist that Stalin did. Yeah, no, we, not, we right? moved the line over. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But uh, I do think that more totalitarian regimes are more efficient for large spread out populations. Mm. I think America is a gigantic fuckfest because of this. I think that you have way too many differing groups across way too many areas, and fuckfest is the best term that I can use. <laughs> not to mention that each state has its own individual legal system, and what is what illegal in one state is not necessarily illegal in the other. Exactly. Yeah. It's a fuckfest. Yeah. Like, it's, it's chaos. And yeah. county to county? Like, Jack Daniels is made in a dry county, uh, the next county over, which is not a different state to my understanding... You can drink. We have the same thing in Canada. We've got bylaws per city. You have provincial laws per province, and you have federal law. So I don't, I don't think they're as drastic as they are in the states. Though. They probably aren't as drastic, but it's it's the same idea. But uh, we don't have nearly as many states or, and provinces. No, right. I don't think that uh, any of our provincial laws are allowed to conflict with federal law either, though. Uh, I, I don't. Th I don't think they are. Not, yeah. And then obviously municipal laws can. You know, conflict with you. Yeah, yeah. I think it is more organized that way. Yeah. yeah. Unlike the states where, you know, you had, uh, I guess, dispensaries that were perfectly legal in yeah, California, yeah. under California law, but Say you still had... You know. Fuck fest. <laughs> it is, it's pure chaos. Yeah. But then, you know, you could have like a federal drug enforcement agent, the DEA, and they could totally bust down the door of any one of those dispensaries and raid it and arrest the people selling it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. And, and so I think that clearly it's not working. Uh, people think that it's working, but, like, is it? I think that the quality of life in America seems to be Pretty bad, fucking low. Right? Like, they, they have a very large middle and lower class. There and, is... the, and the middle class is shrinking by the decade. Exactly. Like, going to school is a, a, a risk. Like you, yeah, it's literally You might dangerous. just die. How fucked up is that? Right? Uh, and I think... Yeah, man, maybe if Stalin were in charge, it would have been different. Mm. I just think that there, there's not cohesion. Yeah, no, there is no and cohesion. I, I think it comes up, it, it, it's unraveling more and more as time goes on. Yeah. No, I think another big thing in my ideal world is, uh, you know, I really do genuinely believe, and I, by no means am I ever going to make the claim on this podcast that I'm in any way unbiased or objective, because I just don't think that that's possible. Um but, uh, yeah, no, definitely a lot more consistency with regards to people's views. And I think that could be fostered by making philosophy, or at least the kind of thinking that it encourages mandatory in schools. I don't know about philosophy in particular, if only because a lot of people are going to get kind of bored at the, the sort of navel-gazing that it kind of tends to be. <laughs> but I think that logic should be taught. Absolutely. I think that a lot of people, I mean, and we do teach it, it's called math. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't take it seriously because they don't see how they're going to use this in their real life. But it's hard to explain to a kid that, like, learning to think is going to allow you, uh, arm you with the tools to better navigate your way through life, mm. right? But uh, I think logic would be good if we were going to add anything else. But I think simple math literacy would be a lot would be a great starting point. I think teaching, like, having people take math more seriously. Instead of complaining that you don't learn how to do your taxes, you could realize that now you have the logical tools to be able to maybe read how to learn to do your taxes. And you, and like, I don't know, it, it just, it arms you with the tools to better navigate the world, I think. Yeah. 
No, just to kind of also comment on your, uh, you know, lack of consistency with regards to the beliefs just in the, you know, yeah. the United States fuckfest. It is weird to me that uh, the United States touts itself as, you know, this, uh, I guess, a lot of the people that very much believe in the Republican ideals, a lot of them tend to be very anti-abortion. Um and it is weird to me that, you know, these people are anti-abortion. And at the same time, these are the same people that want to be paying lower taxes and not funding these schools that are fundamental to, you know, like yeah. a kid's development. You want to have so, the kids but not raise them? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like... Uh, uh, must pre- have these children, but we're not going to support those children. Yeah, yeah, that's your problem. Yeah, pre-birth uh, is precious. And then after you're born, you're on your own. Yeah, I I don't know how I don't yeah, know how I would ever I, it's, reconcile it's that. It's very weird that we we do seem to really value the fetus a lot more than the baby. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it's we care way more about what happens before it gets born, yeah. and then once it's born, it is that bitch's problem. People do. I don't give a fuck. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm their I'm, body, their choice. However, don't please don't keep the baby. <laughs> uh, please don't keep my baby. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I meant. Please don't keep my baby. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything more to say about that. Just kind of an interesting thought. Yeah. Um, t- t- so at its core, I guess, uh, philosophical pessimism was originally developed to challenge the notion of progress. It was also used to challenge faith-based claims of optimism and to just encourage more rational thinking. And I think the biggest selling point for me was that as opposed to, you know, trying to do all these mental gymnastics of trying to... Uh, I guess, uh, frame things in a certain perspective to, you know, make it positive. It faces up to undesirable, distasteful, and ugly realities, which I think that when you, like, come face-to-face with them, you are more encouraged to solve them or try to remedy them in a way. Yes, I think that being too positive can lead to denial, right? Like... Cancer is a gift in disguise. You mentioned it, but faith-based claims, I think every religious faith-based claim should just be thrown the fuck out. They're all wrong. Uh, Except for Buddhism, you do want to not care about anything until you die forever. That is truly beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, but that's more philosophy than than, a religious faith-based claim. Buddhism doesn't even have a deity, per se. They just, yeah. Not really. No, you're trying to be your own deity by Mm. ascending. Uh, I don't know if you ascend. You just... You just die. Yeah, yeah. You cease yeah, to you exist. St- you stop. You stop yeah. being reincarnated. Yeah. You end the cycle. It's wonderful. <laughs> um, that being said, it does not deny that science or humanity has progressed, but it definitely questions that uh, whether or not the human condition has improved as a result of those progressions. I don't think so because I still think that life is more pain than it is not pain. Yeah. Right? I think it is more unenjoyable than it is enjoyable. I yeah, not you're just shifting the line and the frame of reference rather than being worried and stressed about, you know, how am I going to get my next meal? You're now worried about finding meaning to life. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm worried about where to order food from. Yeah. I'm now I'm now worried that nothing I do matters and like why am I here? Yeah. Yeah. And finding a rewarding career and, you know, being a productive member of society. I guess. Yeah. Which which are things that you never agreed to do in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> things I never agreed to do in the first place. Yeah. Um, example in the here and now. You sent out an article to the both of us yesterday from forge.medium.com. It was written by a fellow named, and I really hope that I'm pronouncing his first name correctly, Julio or Julio Vincent Gambuto, which is entitled Prepare for the Ultimate Gaslighting. 
we're talking a lot about how, you know, philosophical pessimism encourages facing ugly realities and, you know, hopefully trying to improve them rather than doing all these mental gymnastics to try to frame it in a positive light. Um, and the article just talked about, I guess, how as a result of COVID-19 at its present stage, we are coming face to face and a lot of people are coming face to face with all these systems that we have believed in in our entire lives were perfectly fine and how they were working out just fine and how they are in fact failing us right now. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody believed, you know, capitalism, I guess, or, or just, I guess a lot of the ideas associated with capitalism. I shouldn't say yeah. capitalism as a whole. It's okay to hate the entirety of it. <laughs> it is okay. Yeah. Everybody's got an opinion, right? But no, we, we believed in it. You know, all you have to do is work hard and it'll be fine. And, you know, the, the, but it's being directly countered by the whole situation that we're finding ourselves in. It doesn't matter how hard you've worked your entire life. Your business could just be gone once this thing is over. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. I, I think this plays back into nothing you do matters. <laughs> uh, because, well, on an individual level, you could just get cancer and die. On a more large scale, there could be a global pandemic and yeah. everything you've worked for is now crumbling. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that you don't have control over that you are just subjected to. Sometimes you just get fucked. Sometimes you just get fucked and it happens to be more often than not. <laughs> uh, a lot of restaurants are definitely going to shut down because of this. For sure. Yeah. No. And I do, once again, going back to the, just the inconsistency of people's pattern of thinking, you know, you have all these people, certainly in Alberta, that, you know, were all about getting auto off their back. And how, you know, they shouldn't be paying high taxes to, you know... Where's my Serb? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. we shouldn't be paying high taxes and, you know, all these welfare people need to just get off their asses. And these are the exact same people who are now taking advantage like, of Why this... is it so hard to apply for EI? Yeah. <laughs> this is so confusing. What is happening? <laughs> yeah, and they're, and they're, like, taking advantage of the same system that they used to put down now. Yes. And it just, like, factors into, I guess, how nothing is anyone's problem until it's their problem. Until it's your problem. Absolutely. There's the, the famous, like, Holocaust quote or whatever. I forget who said it, but it was, like, first they came for this group, and then I didn't do anything. Then they came for this group, and I didn't do anything. Then they came for this group, and I didn't do anything. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to help me. Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of what we experience, right? Yeah. It's like, fuck these guys. They can do it on their own. And then now all of a sudden, they're jobless, and they're like, oh, oh shit, I, I need that help. Yeah. I mean, not <laughs> yeah. to mention that uh, the one man in the world who has the absolute least... Objective, and I'm going to say objective, right? That's okay. I throw around the term fairly liberally. So. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> fairly liberally. <laughs> liberally. Liberally? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, Jeff Bezos, a couple weeks ago, was asking for $25 million worth of donations so that he could pay uh, Amazon contract workers. Yeah, dude. And that's how you know the system is failing you. Because yeah. Someone who has more money than you could possibly imagine quite literally, is asking for your money. Quite literally, <laughs> the richest man in the world yeah. is asking for people to hand him money. Yeah. What? I think that's capitalism at its core. And people are donating. That's what? the sad part. You're not. No, you can't be serious. I don't think he's going to get $25 million, but people are donating. I'm, they are. I'm, yeah. Because it pulls at people's heartstrings, right? It's like, oh, I have to help these workers. Yeah. I'm sure there's lots of people who don't even know who Jeff Bezos is, and they're going to see, like, oh, Amazon. Yeah, I, I donate to Amazon workers. I like that company. Oh, the workers need help? Oh, I can spare 100 bucks. I can see that. 20 bucks, 10 bucks, 5 bucks, right? It's purely just speculation, but I'm sure yeah. that's happened. Yeah. yeah. Even though, you know, in the past, and, you know, events like this tend to make people forget, but in the past, 
Amazon has consistently been put in the spotlight for mistreatment of workers. Yeah, it's almost and as working if conditions. no major corporation is that great to people. Yeah, almost, right? Almost. Almost. Eh? Weird. Um, well, there's a lot of, like, you know, companies now that they're in trouble and they're asking for our help. Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, shouldn't you save for contingencies and stuff? I, I guess it's easy to say that. You, you can't know this is coming, but... Restaurants especially are playing up this community aspect. People are expected to save for contingencies. Yeah, but businesses apparently aren't. Corporations are legally people. They're uh, therefore they should be expected to pay for contingencies or aren't plan they? for contingencies. Or is that just or is that just in the states? I thought that I don't know. Whether don't, it be in the states or Canada, I think that a caveat. I'm not going to pretend to know anything. About <laughs> yeah, no, and I'm and I'm just shitballing because I'm <laughs> like I said, I'm going to say things with conviction, but I'm probably wrong. Yeah, you're probably wrong, and then people are going to write to our email and they're going to complain. You're going to handle all. I of will them. handle every complaint. Yeah, every single complaint. It'll be fine. Yeah, but no, what? Jeez, where was I going with this? Jeez. Corporations, people, right? I was gonna say, yeah. Uh, my Facebook and Instagram is a lot of just restaurants asking for help right now. Yeah. Um, playing up the community aspect, like, oh, you know, we're your neighbors. You need to help us. Team games, dude. Yeah, fun, man, man, dude. How does being in close proximity to me make you important to me? It doesn't, uh, like, at all. Yeah, not to mention the fact that you know these like restaurants are asking people to open up their hearts. Yet you yourself, having had lots of experience, restaurants in... fuck their workers, man. Yeah, Just they're not take like, advantage of them. They're not going to tell you that. No, of course, yeah, no, most 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 people, people don't, don't know, know that. that. Yeah, they're not going to consider it. They're not going to consider it. You know, every everyone in the kitchen, especially servers, are typically fine. Uh, depending on the place, they do have to work like free overtime sometimes. But typically, a server will work like a five or six hour shift and make decent money. Whereas anyone in the kitchen is working for free half the day sometimes uh, and getting paid like minimum wage. And I'm talking like fine dining world ranked restaurants. I think that if anything, what Trump has best shown us is that no one actually cares about anything. This dude does insane things all the time, right? And because he does so many insane things, like we can't even stay mad about any one thing for too long. Because the next thing happens. We He's going to one-up himself. But, like, <laughs> no one seems to remember all of the bad things. And they only focus on the newest thing. So maybe I shouldn't say that no one cares about anything. But it's that the attention span or the focus is so parochial that it's, like, if the restaurant... If, if it were to come out that some restaurant had really mistreated its employees, I mean, all of them, but say it were one all in particular, them. but then this pandemic strikes and now they're asking for money, no one is going to remember that. Because now there's something new to focus on. Yeah. Right? Not more recently. There was definitely an example of this, uh, which we mentioned in episode zero, of a well-known line of grocery stores. <laughs> Let's reference things they're not going to hear yet. Yeah, well, you know, we're explaining it, which is the important part. There's a well-known line of grocery stores right here in Calgary, which I will not mention the name of because I really don't know the legal ramifications. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> they, they were recently in the news, and they were praised for giving all of their workers, which are considered essential, a two, $1 or $2 pay raise during $2, the pandemic. Yeah, $2 pay raise. Is nobody seems to remember that not a few months ago, this very same line of grocery stores was also in the news and they were getting boycotted because they took away the retirement pensions of their workers as well. Yeah. And now all of a sudden they're great. And yeah, like you said, people just remember the newest thing. So now people have this great image of this grocery. Like people still eat at Chick-fil-A. There, there was one, yeah. there was a big outrage about their, there was. their CEO or something being like really anti-gay. Yeah. And then... 
I'm sure some people did avoid Chick-fil-A, and I'm sure a lot of people who did avoid Chick-fil-A are now back to eating Chick-fil-A. They probably and I think it. a lot of people were just like, oh, yeah, nice. And they <laughs> eat the sandwich. Like, Is it good? I've never had it. Me neither. There's one in Calgary at the airport, but I'm really not going to drive to the airport to go chase it. I mean, it. I'm no gay basher, so I can't have it, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, geez. Other, other systems, I guess, that failed. Noam Chomsky, who I've been reading for like a long time. I just love the guy. Yeah, I respect him quite a bit. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with the fact that he's probably one of the most important intellectuals alive today. Yes. He is quoted as saying that COVID-19 represents a fundamental market failure in the sense that, you know, one of the fundamentals of economics is the notion of demand and how it reflects a consumer's desire to purchase goods and willingness to pay for them at a price. And he was talking about how, you know, not necessarily COVID-19 specifically, but there's medical researchers all around the world who are consistently underfunded. We have known for a long time that there was, you know, there's even a uh, documentary on Netflix called Pandemic about how we know that there is a huge influenza novel virus coming and there's researchers trying to develop a cure for it and they are constantly underfunded. This very essential thing that could help the world because pharmaceutical companies can profit more and therefore divert more of their resources to just making, I don't know, like hand creams and stuff like that. With Yeah. Yeah, no. So, I mean, and it just like violates one of the fundamental ideas behind economics because it is the consumer that's supposed to, I guess, drive what is produced, not the business. And that's what's happening right now is the businesses have, I guess, been in control of what's being produced for so long because they're making a profit off of it. Yeah, it seems that it really shows the truth of the actual power dynamics mm. and that the businesses are really controlling. And you can see it kind of everywhere, right? Like, they, we don't decide what products they make. They release what they do, and then they push it. And it's... Yeah, I, they do some market research, I'm sure, but really, I'm, if, if they I'm want sure to push something do, out, yeah. like, they're going to, and they'll create enough hype that people will like it and buy it. Yeah, yeah, and but you, you see it all the time in um, video games, especially, where... Very high budget things are pushed out by big studios that are met with incredibly poor reception. <laughs> uh, but they still sell because of, course. of all the marketing around it. And it's really hyped up and it's from this big studio, so it has this, this pedigree behind it. Yeah. And then everyone buys it and it still makes money, but no one actually enjoys it. So, yeah, they, it's, it's not a matter of demand anymore, I guess, or for the product. It's a demand for like the, the status or the pedigree or something behind. It's the marketing push is a way bigger impact than what the product actually is. Yeah. Or what people even necessarily need. Yeah. You know, oftentimes you know, you're gaslit and brainwashed into thinking that you need something. Exactly. No, you know, we needed a vaccine for something like COVID-19, which is a derivative of SARS, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah. So people, yeah. not, uh, I am a, a biologist. I'll let you guys know that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Good to know we have at least one expert at this table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm comfortable calling myself a doctor, <laughs> doctor adjacent. I don't know. So uh, it's like we call it the coronavirus, but it's a coronavirus. Yeah, it's a coronavirus rather. It's like a, it's a class of viruses. It's the big one. Though. That's yeah. why it's nineteen. That's why yeah. it's nineteen. Yeah. So SARS, I think, was like COV two. I don't remember. Yeah. 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 No, but like I mean, we needed and wanted a vaccine for this kind of virus, but we never got it because pharmaceutical companies just decided to produce something else we need and we want you know a vaccine for the influenza virus that we know is coming and yet all of these researchers and laboratories are still underfunded so i mean who's really driving the market here viagra <laughs> i think um 
Hmm. What you want and what you need are very different things, though. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I, for the most part. Yeah, for the most or part. They I can think that, be very different. Yeah, yeah, I mean, sometimes they coincide, like, yeah. when you're violently ill. Yeah. <laughs> like, what you want and what you need are to get better. Yeah. Terminally ill, I should say. I, I guess, yeah, strictly speaking about vaccines here. We both want and need these things. Yes, but I mm-hmm. think, in general, what you want and what you need are very different. And so, also, human beings are notoriously bad at planning for the future. Because long-term thinking is not native to us, mm. right? That's like how humans are notoriously bad at probability, because it's not very intuitive. Yep. Uh, we also think that, in general, nothing bad will happen to us. So I'm sure, like a year ago, if you were to give someone the option of, the, say, this corona, uh, COVID-19 virus, or vaccine did exist, and you only had one, right? And you propose it to this one dude, and you're like, hey, man, you either get this fucking, like, closet full of Yeezys, or, or you get this vaccine for, like, a really big virus that's coming up. Dude's taking the closet full of Yeezys nine times out of ten. Yeah, nine right? times out of ten. Because everyone's going to be like, ah, it's not going to happen, it's going to be fine. Like, it's a year away now, whatever. Yeah. I can wear these shoes now. They'll figure it out by then. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is another, you know, the fact that people are notoriously bad at planning for the future is another big reason why I am in favor of a lot of socialistic, like, policies. Um, I can't pull up, well, I mean, I have the article, and I'm sure that if people were to Google it, they could find it, but uh, it has been... There's a lot of research done here. There's a lot. I don't have anything to point to specifically right now. Just trust me, it's there. Um, No, seriously, though, Google it. There was said that, like, something like 40% of people before this thing hit were, like, two weeks away from bankruptcy, and if they had to make an emergency purchase of $400, they would have to sell something. Yeah, and so now a lot of people are fucked. And now just a lot of people are fucked. So, I mean, like, although I will admit that governments aren't necessarily always the most competent with regards to running things, um, having that safety net there is important. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah, the world just so. goes to shit. As we're seeing. As we're we, seeing. We were all discussing this the other day. Um, a lot of people are, like, bashing the government and how they're handling things, but I think they're doing overall a pretty great job. Our government certainly uh, is. Yeah, I, 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 do I think mean, Canada's they're doing, doing a very good yeah. job. Yeah. Uh, but I still see like stuff all over Facebook and people, you know, e- either saying they're doing too much or they're not enough. Uh, right? Pessimistic downers, fucking assholes. Yeah, just like oh, things. this is ruining our like. There, there's people saying, you know, like, well, you're not giving the people enough money. And then the counterpoint of that is people are saying, well, you're going to give out all the money and devalue everything and ruin the fucking economy. Um, I think they're doing a pretty good job of trying to manage both both sides. The economy is going to be ruined anyway. Not ruined, but it's it's not going to be great. Um, I mean, these people do need money to live unless you just want a bunch of homeless people. Yeah, not only that, but I think that the economic impact of, uh, you know, helping people along during this time would be severely lessened as opposed to just, like, letting them rot. Well, Because then you just don't have consumers. Yeah, if you don't, yeah, don't have could, consumers, then what? Exactly. The economy goes down either way. Like, e- either you devalue our dollar and, like, give away all this money and then we're in even more debt and whatever, or, or people just go bankrupt and then they can't buy anything and then the banks have to absorb all these mortgages that, you know, people can't pay for. Um, and the housing market crashes and everything crashes. Everything crashes. And I'm then, not going to pretend to know anything about economic theory, the world, <laughs> money. Yeah, uh, no, uh, neither am I. But, I mean, you know, this, this was a big question that was raised even in the 2008 financial crisis. Noam yeah. Chomsky was very much explicitly against the idea of bailing the banks out. Um, and then, you know, obviously they did bail the banks out. Whether or not they took the right course of action, I don't think we'll ever know. 
But no, I mean, because we cannot have known what would have happened otherwise, right? Exactly. We know what happened. So. Yeah, but no, I think that a lot of people would just agree, especially since a lot of them on our CERB right now. Yeah, that helping yeah. helping them along is is a good thing. Right All right, now. boys, I gotta pee. We gotta wrap this up. We yeah, have to pee also. no, that is good because we are at the end of the episode anyway. Uh, once again, thank you to all three of you for tuning in to this episode. Uh, we appreciate your support, and I don't know, I guess if you like the first episode well enough, then link, subscribe, and suggest to friends. Does anyone have closing comments? Not really. Uh, thanks, thanks for listening. All right. Um, I want everyone to remember that life is objectively not worth living. <laughs> Happy Easter. Yeah, <laughs> until then, uh, stay miserable.